Okay. Ready? We'll do. A, let's do one, two, three, four, five, and then clap on six. Okay. But do. But you got to do the ands. One and two and three and four. That. Yes. And then we'll clap five and and clap on six. Yep. Okay. Here we go. Ready? Mm-hmm. All right. Together, right? <laughs> no. <laughs> All right. Nope. Here we go. Okay. One and two and three and four and five and. Oh, I forgot to clap. God damn it, really? Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'm Okay, You're Okay. I'm not okay. You're not okay. With me, Bob Schneider, and your other host, Clint Wells. You're welcome. So what's going on? Uh, Nothing much. I uh, had a busy morning with work, and I'm getting ready to head to the airport, flying out to Los Angeles for some shows. But I have a nice little window here to talk to you. It's good good to hear your voice. Oh, thanks. My uh, wife just threw a we I was <laughs> I was asking her why it is that women don't work the same way that men do and then she threw and then she was like you don't think I work and then she threw a cup uh against the uh, concrete uh against the concrete around our pool where children play with their little tiny baby feet and uh now there's uh, what I imagine is razor-sharp shards of ceramic cup. Well, that was nice of her. So what she did is she just created work to prove to you that she works, because now she's got to pick all that up. Yeah, except she's not going to pick it up. She just walked into the house, and she was like, well, that'll just take care of itself. Maybe the birds, maybe birds like ceramic, and maybe they'll eat it all up so that these little baby feet that that hang out at the pool won't get all sliced to shit. Right. But, or, probably more likely... I'll eventually clean it up because I don't like to see blood, especially little kid feet blood all over my house. Call me, call me crazy. I don't like to, don't like to see little kids bleeding. No, no, I'm with you. What's interesting about those kinds of showdowns in a relationship is when you have kids, you just don't have the, uh, you don't have the carte blanche. You have to like really have a showdown. I remember in my first marriage in our first apartment, we had a similar type argument and uh, I threw a glass, and it broke into a million pieces, and I was like, I'm not cleaning it up, and we just let it sit in our apartment for like a week, but there were no kids around. And by the way, I, I did eventually also lose that showdown, too. I eventually had to clean it up. Did your D-I-V-O-R-C-E finally become final that one day? Uh, no, but I like to think of it as a small, a small little piece of the puzzle, slowly getting put together over four years. Oh, that the showdown, showdown at the yeah. o- okay. Where were you living at that time? I was living in Birmingham. We were living in a cool little old apartment downtown, and shit got dicey. It threw a glass, and then it was the you know the week long of stepping around shards of glass, and in, and then in some cases accidentally stepping on it and bleeding. But when the kids running around, you there's no you gotta just eat the shit sandwich and fix it. Did you throw the glass or did she throw the glass? I threw the glass, but it's because I asked her to make me. Uh, I was working, and um, I had a small window for a lunch break, and I said, hey, so we can spend time together, because my window is so small, when I get there, can you like make me a sandwich that's already ready when I get there, and we can sit and have lunch, because if I have to make the sandwich, that's going to eat into my 30 minutes, and then she told me that she was never going to be my slave, she took it into slave territory, and uh, that conversation escalated, so I was like, look, you're my wife, I'm just asking you to help me, if you asked me to make you a sandwich, I would just make the goddamn thing. You're not my fucking slave. You're my buddy. You're my wife. Anyway, so that resulted in me throwing a glass. 
because she wanted to prove to me that she wasn't my slave. That's who, how reasonable she was. Who eventually cleaned it up? Me, I did. Clint Wells. <laughs> Proving that I was actually her goddamn slave. Or just, I I don't know what it is, man. I I keep doing this thing where I'm like, I'm not cleaning up any more messes because I'll just see something like, like egg, like my wife will peel an egg and then there's a colander in the sink and the colander, you know, you use that to wash lettuce or whatever, or vegetables or fruit, you know, and then it's a real easy thing. You just, or maybe you strain pasta, but right when you get done using it, you clean it real quick, you know, you rinse it, maybe you hit it with a sponge and you're done. But no, she just leaves it in there. And then next thing I know, she's peeling an egg and now she's putting the eggshells and bits of egg in the colander and then just leaving that there to become part of the colander. Like at the molecular level, it like, like, I don't know if you know this or not, but you know those paintings that you see from like the 1400s or the 1100 or 400 AD? Guess what they used to keep those on the wall so sweet and tidy? Egg. Yeah. Egg. pieces of egg. Egg. So then I go to the sink for whatever reason I need to go to the sink for. Use your imagination on that one. And then... okay. And then what do I see? The colander full of egg debris. I'm like, what in God's name is happening? And then I'm like, I'm not cleaning that shit up. And then I walk away and I come back hours later. And what do I see now? I'm, I'm asking a question. I don't know what you see when you come back. The same shit. Not cleaned up. Yeah. So what do you do? I take my own life. And I die there on the spot and game over. The game is over. And then the headline reads artist takes his own life after seeing eggshells in the colander in his home kitchen in fucking paradise because it was too much one time. That's, you know, that's why I don't have a gun in the house. That's why I don't have firearms. But then, but then bits and pieces of your skull and brain get mixed in with the egg and the colander, and no one cleans that up either. No, they would have a forensics team would come in and clean all that shit out. No, I think they would all leave it in the colander. Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna actually fight you on this. They're gonna leave your brain and skull in the colander with the egg. Well, anyways, I'm doing pretty good. Hey, everybody, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for joining us today. Bob's not okay, but that's okay. Sometimes things aren't okay. Do we have any emails? We do have emails. Would you like to read some emails? Sure, let's answer some emails. EOB writes and says, uh, let's see here. He has he sends us a bunch of emails. Um, I like the way you're, you're like, oh, boom, 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 boom. It's just the same guy sending us email after email. Well, he he does. He sent us four emails after the last episode. What can I say? All right. Are we gonna? Can we? Are we gonna answer all the emails from this guy? No, I've, I've selected the one that I think is the most interesting. Okay, cool. Yeah. Hey, if you're sending in emails, just send in one email. That's my advice to anybody. 
to this guy. Obviously, nobody else is doing that. But in case you were thinking about, like, I'll send Bob and Clint five or seven or 25 emails this week. Just send one. Yeah, I, w- I didn't mean to slag him. He's, he's, he loves the show, and he's real excited, and he always has interesting things to say, but we can't, we can't obviously read all of them. But he does ask, uh, what, he says, I wanted to ask about your kick-ass intro and outro Uber jam that begins and ends each show. Is that you, Clint, or Bob, or both? You guys rocking out? It completely roars through my speakers, and after listening to each entire podcast with the volume turned to max, when the outro comes on, it pins me to the fucking ceiling every time. Haha, ha, almost drove off the road today. Jesus. Did you guys write it? Was it conjured for the cast? Has it been, or will it be used in a tune one day? Do tell. Thanks, brothers. The Notorious EOB. Who's feeling good now? I'll tell you who. Clint W-E-L-L-S. Well, I wrote that for um, Bob and I have a mutual friend named Katie Featherson, and she did a, a wonderful web series a few years ago, and I, I wrote music for the whole thing. And that was a kind of an outtake jam from her web series that I don't think got used. And so it's just a little one-minute rock and jam. It worked good. I, I think, Bob, you can elaborate on this, but I sent you a whole bunch of those, and you, were the, you selected that one for the show. Yeah, I did. And the royalties just keep fucking coming, <laughs> raking in. I just don't know what to do with myself with all the royalty money from that jingle. How many, how many brand-new MyBox have you bought just with the royalty money from that one song? How many brand-new MyBox? Yeah. Probably 17 new MyBoxes. I don't know what my box is. I don't either. I think it's a car. Oh, 17. Yeah, the number's, the number's accurate, 17. <laughs> okay. I'm glad we got that worked out. Um, will it be a song one day? Probably not. It, I think it works great for the podcast. It is a song. It's called The Podcast Song. Um, here's one for you that's p- probably pertinent. Zach Wolf says, Bob, a journalist recently accused you of giving glib responses to interview questions. What do you have to say for yourself? Is this why you... You haven't been invited on fresh air. And then he says, Clint, I love what you bring to the podcast. You both provide some great laughs. Keep it up, Zach. Yeah, that's the reason. The, this Taos news interview that I did for their local Taos rack. By the way, Taos is the size of my dishcloth that I have in my kitchen that, that's draped over my oven door. Right. So the, the newspaper that services that dishcloth, dishcloth size town yeah. Is the reason that NPR, like Terry Gross, went into the future and and read that interview where she only the guy the the lady only used one of my answers, but just that one answer, and then her saying that I only give glib answers. Uh, then she came back from the future with no other information except for that information about me, and she was like, "Yeah, if Bob Schneider contacts us, tell him nine danke." Uh, she's half German. And then, hence the name Gross. Terry Gross. That's a German name. It means big. So, yes. The answer is yes. Next question. I wonder why they think you give glib responses. <laughs> Dude, check this out. So, I don't... First of all, they're not glib. I took a lot of time answering those questions because the questions that she asked me were insane. Like what? Give me an example. Dude, I can't even do it. It's like the egg in the colander. It's it's like alien. It's like an alien thing that you're just not expecting. It's so out of the blue. Like the uh, all right, so go to here's what you do. If you want to know what the questions were and if you want to know what my answers all of them were, then go to my Facebook page and I posted the whole 
email interview that she didn't post in her article. So you could see the questions that she asked, and then you can see my answers that I took a lot of time answering, by the way. So you actually put some TLC into it, which, by the way, the egg in the colander, wonderful name for this episode. Wonderful name. And, uh, and, and a wonderful name for a new fucking hip Nashville restaurant, too. Um, dude, you're right. Fucking egg in the colander. The egg in the colander, dude. All you need is a bow tie and some suspenders and a fucking top man bun, and you will be eating at the egg in the colander in no time. Every chick in there is wearing a bowler. Like, there's not a single woman no, the, on right. the staff that doesn't have a bowler, and every dude has a man bun. Totally. And weird, strange, like, Florentine mustaches, and they're all vegan, but they eat the Impossible Burger, and their clothes are made out of fucking, fucking Kevlar. Not a single person is wearing a belt. It's suspender, mandatory suspenders. And it's 10% off your egg in a colander if you're wearing suspenders when you show Absolutely. up. Absolutely. Absolutely, and this, the and no one's getting laid. The sex factor is at an all time low. It's an all time zero, zero, less than zero. Everybody has real bad keto breath. Guess how humorous everyone is in that place. Zero humor, complete zero percent humor. <laughs> all the jokes that people talk about about the egg in the colander name, the the waiter, the wait staff just look at that person and they they're not. They're like, mm, what was your order again? And then they yeah, move, would, move on. Would, did not compute joke. And you get a bonus off your colander, the colander side of it, if you bring your little dog. And then if you mm. clean up your little dogs, your little dog's little poo-poo. Dude, you're going to bring your dog there to the, to the egg and the colander there? Oh, I love that. I let you know that it's the very dog-friendly there. They have a little sand pit. Out by, oh, out the sand by pit's the, wonderful. They have a little sand pit by the dumpster there where you can bring your dog there, and you can just let your dog <laughs> shit all over the the sand trap but uh don't you don't want to go in there with your hands because oh boy there's a lot of i don't know i i I don't know i think it's kind of fun but when you're waiting for your table you play in the sandbox filled with all the no 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 no. you don't want to go in that sandbox trust me you let your little doggy go in there because the doggy likes that poop but you don't want to get in there not 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 if you're not if you're going to be handling them eggs the egg and the colander yeah my dog lucius loves it he absolutely loves you get 25 percent off the egg when you bring your dog valentino Yeah. Um, Okay. Well, so you put some TLC into the interview, and then you feel like she kind of selectively edited it for a narrative. Is that why you published the whole thing on your Facebook page? Well, she actually she 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 did a pretty nice interview. Like she went to my bio, and then and then did a you know she was nice, except for that thing about the glib thing. I think I did at one point refer to the interviewer as a as a sexy mountain hippie. And I have no idea what this lady was like, but I imagine if she lived in Taos, she was probably a sexy mountain hippie because that's all I saw at the show. There is nothing glib about that. A sexy mountain hippie, that's quite a compliment. Anyways, my book. I was shocked. A lot of people came to that show, like way more than I thought. And it was a great show and we had a great time. I have no idea if that lady came, um, but it was fun. And uh, I would go back there in a second. It was great. And it was 7,500 feet above sea level. So I was feeling every breath. Mm. I think that's what Sting was talking about when he was wrote that song. He was talking about Taos. He's yeah, he's talking about doing a gig at Breckenridge, Colorado, right? Which is eighty five hundred feet. Do you like those intimate shows? Do you prefer those? No, I prefer Wembley Stadium sold out three nights in a row solo Bob Schneider, where the entire show is just me telling people to hush up. All right, everybody, hush up, hush up. <laughs> I'm not starting the next song till everybody hushes up. 
And then I just wait, 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 and everybody's just like, oh, hey, Ray, ah, Bob Schneider, Bob Schneider. Hush up, hush up. I don't think I've ever heard the phrase hush up before today. Well, you hush up, you zip it. Shh, shh. Hush up is the term they use in England. It's, it's, okay. a, it's, a, it's a friendly way of saying shut the fuck up. Right. A woman at a movie theater once gave me a kind of a, a, an intense tap on the shoulder because I was looking at my phone in a movie theater. And I thought I was going to fucking explode. I thought I was going to go insane. An intense tap. There's levels of tapping. She tapped me kind of forcefully on the shoulder. Oh, my God. I fucking hated it. I couldn't believe it. I, here's what I know about you, Clint. You don't like to be touched. No, no, a, no, no, no. A, and you definitely don't like to be touched by a stranger. B, and C, you definitely don't want to be touched in a dark theater full of strangers. <laughs> <laughs> Any the slightest touch, the tippiest, tappiest touch of all time would be the most intense tap touch. I wish I could see a video of the fucking look on my face, dude, because I was just absolutely mortified. Oh, my God. And then it would immediately translate into just pure hostility and anger. Oh, I got hot. I was like, my whole body got hot. I was sweating. (laughs) I like turned into a demon. Uh, what What did she say? She just sort of shushed me. She, you know, like, hey, hey, what were you doing? Were you making a lot of noise? No, 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 no. I had my phone on dim, and uh, I was watching a film, and I got a guy. It was watching Silver Linings Playbook, actually, while I was in Austin working with you. And uh, I guess she's one of those people that wait, wait, one wait. of those theater police. What, what, what? So, wait, you were in a movie theater or a theater where people were performing? No, I was in. A, I was in whatever that movie theater is in Bee Cave near your house. Oh, wait, 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 wait. Oh, hold on. Now, wait, wait, no, 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 dude. You're in a theater watching another movie on your phone while a movie's playing on the big screen? No, 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 no. I was watching Silver Linings Playbook in a theater oh, on the big okay, screen. Okay, okay. During th- the movie, you know, they tell you to put your phones away. All right. And yeah, my phone didn't my phone didn't ring or anything, but I got okay. an email and when I pulled my phone out, the bright light, she couldn't handle it. It's like Laura with the with the lumens. Okay, got it. Honey got with it. the dog and the lumens of the egg and the lumen. And uh she shushed me and she very she used the two finger tap on my fucking shoulder. <laughs> that's not that's yeah, that's sketchy. So okay, so you weren't watching me, you were just checking your phone for some reason. I would never watch a movie on my phone during a movie. Right. Well, that's insane. what I, that's what I thought for a second, and then uh, that does sound insane, and, and that's why I was going back to it to make sure that wasn't the case. <laughs> well, I'm glad we cleared that up. Our the detective work on "I'm okay, you're okay, I'm not okay, you're not okay" just continues to we're thorough. Ascend. We're th- we're thorough. Yeah, we're real thorough. Got to be. So, what's going to happen with this uh, glass? I, I know I know the cleaning up, but what's the resolution like when you guys get that kind of sideways? What, what's your normal resolution time? What's the window we're looking at here? I don't know. It's either going to be murder suicide or <laughs> everything's fine. Like in, I don't know. I don't know, man. I'm married a very complicated lady. Yeah, but you like that. You you you're into that. I I I do. Uh, it's uh, in- it's keeps it interesting. It, it's not boring. That's for sure. Right. But right. yeah, I don't know. Who knows? Well, it'll sh- I'm sure it'll be fine. You are gonna have to. <laughs> you are gonna have to clean the glass up, though. I do know that for sure. <laughs> you'll you'll be cleaning the glass. You'll be picking little bits and pieces out for fucking months. I'm not gonna do it for a long time. 
<laughs> but you're right. You're right. And I'm not going to do it for a long time. Yeah. Well, that's your. That's the only battle you can win is the time. All right. I'll keep you posted. Uh, maybe not in the next podcast, but maybe keep keep us all couple. posted. Yeah, yeah. I'll keep you posted. Max Frost wrote in our buddy Max, a wonderful musician in Austin. He wrote, "Hey Clint, tell Bob to tell that Russie Crow story about when he gave Bob his demos. That shit is funny, Max. I have no idea what he's talking about. Yeah, I'm not going to tell that story, but thanks, Max. Well, can you tell me why you won't tell the story? Who's Russie Crow? All right, Russell Crow used. To, oh, Russell Crow. Russell Crow used to come to our show. All right, fuck it, I'll just tell it. Even though there we go, here <laughs> we go. He's telling it. Oh, he's telling that story." But he, he tell it. He telling that story right now. He said we're gonna tell it. Not gonna tell a story. He tell it. I knew he tell it. I shouldn't tell it. Here's the thing. I shouldn't tell this story because it's not gonna do me any good. Here's what it's gonna do. It's gonna be entertaining for our listeners. Great. That's what we're here to do. So, but guess what? If Russell Crowe hears this story, he won't be happy at all. Let's take a quick over under on whether or not Russell Crowe is going to hear this fucking story. <laughs> well, believe me, I did the math right after I said I'm not going to tell this story. I did the math, and the math came out <laughs> real, real, really much in favor of the chances of him listening to this show are a, as close to zero as as my wife cleaning up that cup, picking out, up the glass yeah, out totally. by the pool. Yeah. Well, let's hear about Russell Crowe. All right. So anyway, so. I used to have this band in the 90s called The Scabs, and it was like the place to be on Tuesday nights in the late 90s. It was like a big R&B band. It was a big dance band, and we got a lot of service people because the show started at 11. It would be go like 11 to 2, and it was just a giant dance party. So you had all these people that get out of work at 1030 that would come to it. Had all the fraternity and sorority people come into it, had a bunch of strippers come into it, and then anybody who was in town like movie stars, rock stars, whoever, if they were in town on a Tuesday night and they said where to go, they would say, go to Antone's. The scabs are playing. That's where everybody's at. And it was always sold out. It was always capacity 650. Routinely, we had 900 people in there. So we had a lot of people, Jerry Seinfeld, you know, people, whoever was in town would come to that show. Like Sandra Bullock started coming to that show. That's how I met her, and we we, in, we ended up dating because of that. But uh, like Kid Rock, uh, Dennis Quaid, Russell Crowe was one of the people that came. So he comes. I meet him uh, after the show. He's a nice guy. He goes, I got a band, too, called 30-Odd Foot of Grunt, and uh, I'm going to give you a CD, and uh, I want to know what you think about it. So... He gives me the CD, and a week later, the next Tuesday, he shows up. I listen to the CD, and uh, I have to say it's it, it wasn't wasn't to my like it wasn't to my taste. Let me put it that way. What kind of music was it? Just like a bar band sort of, you know, rock and roll. So for me, it has to be something magical and different, something I've never heard. And it, this wasn't that, and. Uh, some might even say it was terrible, but uh, I'm not going to say that in case there is that off chance that Russell Crowe hears this. But it wasn't, I didn't, I wasn't crazy about it. So there was one song where he kind of tells a story. So there's music going on underneath and then he's telling a story. And at that, he's amazing. And I actually, I will say this too. 
I got to, I got a chance to see him live not long after this. And in between songs, he would, he would, you know, talk to the audience. And during that, during those moments, he was very captivating. The guy was super charismatic and very. You were definitely calibrated currently for him listening. I can, I can hear it. No, no. Calibrated for that. No, this, this, this part is true. So like he, you know, and then he would play and when he plays live, you can't hear the lyrics and just sound, and he's got his bands really good. And so you're like, yeah, it's fine. If you go see it live, it's really good. And then like I'm saying, like his stories were great. So on this CD, there was one track where he's talking. So I was like, eh, that's not bad. Actually, the, the part where he's actually talking and, and telling his stories is fine. So, but the rest of it was pretty bad. And so I was like, but here's the deal. This was right after he made Gladiator. So this was when he was at the peak of his popularity. He was a huge movie star. And I was like, man, every motherfucker in the world is blowing smoke up this guy's ass. So I'm not going to do it. I'm going to tell him the truth. And he's going to respect me for it. Oh, boy. And so, I, I can see where this is going. But also, wow. but also, you know, I don't know. I just he, he just seems like a straight shooter guy. So he shows up the next week. I see him there. I know he's going to pull me over. Sure enough, after the show, he's like, hey, man, you know, come over. And I'm like, hey, what's up? And. He's like, dude, and he fucking gives me the Russell Crowe, like, he's like, he's like two inches from my face, looking me in the eye, and he's like, dude, dude, what'd you think of that? What'd you think of that CD that I gave you? And I'm like, <laughs> that's a pretty fucking amazing Russell Crowe, by the way. I can't even believe yeah, I, hit, I hit it. I thought up. Russell maybe, I thought Russell maybe had climbed into your studio for a minute. I did too, day for a second day. Anyways, uh, <laughs> so. He's looking at me and I was like, what do you think of that CD there, Bob? And I'm like, <laughs> and I'm like, and I'm just, I just look at him and I go, dude, it was great. <laughs> <laughs> That's the right answer, Bob. Uh, <laughs> it was great. <laughs> <laughs> That's the right answer, homie. Uh, that was the only thing. But I swear to God, I tell everybody. This is my deal. If you made some art, if you made some music and you're going to come to me and go, hey, check this out. Guess what I'm going to tell you every single time? And I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're Russell Crowe, Joe Schmo. I don't care. This is what I'm going to say. Loved it. It was great. Keep going. Keep doing right. it. Because right. it's just my opinion and I don't know shit. And here's what, I, here's what I'm never going to do. I'm not going to criticize. I'm not going to say it sucks. Now... If somebody's making something in the process of making something and it's not done and they want my critical input, I'll be very honest and tell them everything that I think is that could be improved as long as I have a suggestion to improve it. But I'm just never going to say that sucks and and not have a suggestion. I'll just go, well, this section here, what about trying this and then? That's the way I approach it because otherwise that's with everybody and everything. Now, you know, if I'm not talking to the person or if I'm talking to a friend or my wife or you or whoever, I'm going to, you know, sometimes be pretty brutally honest about some shit, but never to the person. Cause I, you know, art, art's scary, like making something yourself, being vulnerable, putting that out there. And then somebody just being a dick. That's the worst. I know. Well, but, but- 
I agree with you, and I think that's a generous and also um, efficient way to go about that when people ask you what you think. Here's what I've never done. Asked anyone what they thought about what I'm doing. Yeah. What'd you think? Did you hear the thing? Yeah. What'd you think about it? Tell me. Give it it brutally honest. I don't want to hear that shit. I I ask one. I ask my wife. I go, and to tell you the truth, I don't even ask her anymore. That's something I did when I started making stuff because I was right. I was so insecure that I would ask people, but I, yeah, I haven't done that in a long, long time. Well, because I mean, I don't know if you would agree with this or not, but when you know what you're good at, when you kind of know what your muscle is, when you make something and it, it satisfies you, that's kind of enough. And that's what it needs to be. Like your fans depend on you to make the music you hear in your head, not the music you think they want to hear or like. You, there's some of that where you consider your audience, and this would be fun to play live, this would go over well in a packed-out club or whatever, but what they really love about you, what I'm guessing what I love about the music you make and the art you make is that it's what is in your crazy head, right? I can't write any other way. Like, I can't write with an agenda. Like, I can't go, I'm going to write this type of... I just, it just, I've tried it, and it always ends up not being very good. I can only write when I'm just getting lucky and 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 it's like blindfold like throwing darts blindfolded that's the only way i can write i can't well right i can't hit the mark with the blindfold off off and as you know and maybe some of our listeners might know i write i actually do the opposite of that and write up for pitch country pitch and commercial stuff all the time maybe on the next episode we can talk about the differences but for now we have to bid our lovely audience adieu Adieu, and, and thanks for writing in. Please keep them coming. Remember, just one week would be nice. And uh, we'll get to those. Check out Clint's podcast, Metal Up Your Podcast, about all things Metallica. But again, you don't need to be into Metallica to enjoy it. I'm not, and I enjoy it a lot. Check out my podcast, Bob Schneider's Song Club, um, and go to my patreon.com backslash Bob Schneider and join that today. And uh, we'll see you soon. Thanks. (laughs) 